Jeremy is Conrad. You are quite level grade 36. And you are listening to the Candair Podcast. Now stop it and get back to work. And welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Jack Doherty. I'm Jake Runyon. And joining us today to talk about his comic Gung Ho, we welcome Michael Loneski. Thanks so much for being with us, Mike. Thanks, guy. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Did I pronounce Very it? Very cool right? to be here. Oh, you yeah. did. You nailed it. Okay. I was really. I, was, you, I had doubt the second it came out of my mouth. No, I gave you. I threw up the horns. I was okay. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate the yeah. horns. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, yeah, I'm throwing horns up too over here. So okay. We're all on the same page. Don't worry about it. It fits yeah. with the topic. This is like awesome. Yeah. Sharing a wavelength. It yeah. does fit with the topic indeed, Jack, because in our retro roundtable, we are once again looking back in pop culture history, talking we sure about are. what, Jake? We're going to talk about heavy metal music today, yes, sir. I'm kind of excited about this. It's something. It it almost feels weird we haven't touched on this subject yet. It's like just in the periphery of our wheelhouse, I think. But it's it's about time we did. I want to do uh, like movie soundtracks sometime. Like never really did anything with music too much. No. If I could weasel my way in for that one, you guys can invite me back, or I'm just going to invite myself back if you do. Absolutely. Yeah, that's fine with us. (laughs) Just going to show up. I literally won't even Skype you guys in. I'll like literally find where you are. Just like. How is this possible? Find this yeah. place? What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> but after that, then we're going to look into the comic vault. What do we have, guys? Anything good? I've got a little something called Where the Light Is, a uh, short, independent webcomic by Brian Hoover and Rafael Desquitado Jr. Cool, cool. Jack? Mine is, it's kind of weird because it doesn't necessarily have a title. It's just the website Ooh. name, but it's Reasonably Worried Publishing. Huh. That sounds kind of familiar, actually. It sounds like it could be the name of my autobiography. (laughs) (laughs) The books we'll be talking about right there, and then we're going to turn our full attention over to Michael and talk gung-ho. But before we do that, Jake. Ladies and gentlemen, it would mean so much to all of us if you could head over to Twitter, visit us at CannedAirPod, and Instagram at Canned underscore Air. Follow and like and retweet and spread the love and just help me... Uh, justify getting out of bed every morning knowing <laughs> somebody somewhere is going to laugh at the stuff I'm tweeting. <laughs> if I can be selfish for a minute, it's about me right now. We want you to want exactly. me. Exactly. <laughs> That's what it's all about. But seriously, head on down, have a look at what we've got, visit the website, see the special guest page, and don't forget we are on Patreon. So, if you uh, like what we do, Go ahead and offer a donation. A couple of bucks. Hit that five, $5 mark. Yes, yep. sir. Hit the $5 mark and you get access to our special Patreon-only Founders Club podcast. Ooh, Founders Club. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking like it's a, that. That's a little sexy, right? Yeah, it's did. very attractive. Anything yes. could happen in the Founders Club. It's better yeah. every week with I a, imagine a, like a some Patreon. kind of like gold key card. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, shit. Pass Slots and doors. This is really taking form quickly mm-hmm. around us. Yeah, yes. I like this. <laughs> All right. Well, let's just kick it off with this week's retro roundtable. <laughs> do it. Do it. Come on. I'm here. Come on. Do it now. Grass. Taste bad. This week in pop culture history, March 14th, 1879, Albert Einstein is born, changing the world forevermore. 1982, Metallica has its first live performance, also changing the world, but in a somewhat different way than Albert Einstein. March 18th, 2002, the Ramones are finally inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, prompting the question, they weren't already? I like it. I like it. That's like good a question everybody asks when someone's inducted. Like, what? Alice Cooper wasn't already in the rock? You know, There's a lot true. of people that are getting nominated <clears throat> or inducted, and you're like, why weren't they already? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Sure. Well, there's there's uh, criteria to be getting in there. You know, your first album has to have been out for 25 years. Oh, really? I didn't know there was in together for so long, too, or something. Huh. Like that too, something. Yeah. There was, there's a list of five rules or five things that you have to abide by to uh, be able to be nominated and like when you're nominated you're up there with like what 20 to 30 other bands so i mean it's mm-hmm. a 
It's a slim window. It's a slim window. But anyway. Well, make me feel like a jackass. <laughs> Why would that make you feel like a jackass? Because I'm sensitive, Jeremy. We- <laughs> <laughs> All right. What are we talking about then in this week's uh, We're going to narrow our focus on Metallica's first live performance, a band that some would consider kind of the guys who brought this heavy metal Oh, wait. Metal we're talking thing. about the actual performance? Mm. I thought we were just talking. Oh, we're talking about heavy metal music. Oh, okay. But our jumping off point is the fact I that see. Metallica I'm had sorry. its first performance, March 14th. And now mm. I, I think it's safe to say Metallica was the band that kind of brought heavy metal music into the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Mm. You get that parental advisory sticker on the front, picture of a bloody mm. hammer. I, uh, no yeah. child, angsty tween, whatever, is going to be able to resist something of that caliber. <laughs> yes, right. Definitely get their hands on that. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually got to see Metallica. Did you really? I did. I mean, not in their prime, sure. obviously, but uh, <laughs> here. the load CD is when I first got to finally see him. Oh, oh see, sorry. I would have preferred that. No, I would have taken that really? over my. I mean, I was like Saint Anger tour. I mean, oh no, that oh. album was some dog shit, yeah, man. <laughs> I think I saw them for that one too. I wanted it left. to be good so bad, and when I got it, I listened to it and was like, oh no, and I like put it away and like. I'll revisit albums a while later. I'm like, well, I'm going to give it another chance. Because, you know, if you're feeling different, sure. sometimes music can mm-hmm. have a different impact. It, not that one. Once Jason Newstead left, <laughs> was, I you think. Know, I, was at a, uh, I was at an OzFest where the band Voivod was playing. Now, oh, dude. And mm-hmm. Voivod is Jason Newstead's other yeah, yeah, band. Yeah. Mm. And it was cool as shit because not only was Newstead playing there with him, but... He uh, was playing with Ozzy that night, too. Jason Newstead on bass, Zach Wild on lead guitar, and wow. Ozzy. It was a yeah. hell of a good oh, show. Awesome. But Yeah, it was. But um, what really sucked is uh, when they were doing their Voivod set, they were on a smaller stage off on the side. They weren't on the main stage. Oh. This is at Polaris Amphitheater, God rest its soul. <laughs> and um, there were these... Dumbass Metallica fans who had taken off their Metallica shirts and were holding them up and flipping them off like the whole show. Like they crowded up in front of him in front of the stage. Oh, and just as though oh, liking one band means the rest don't matter. Like, it's so stupid. Yeah, oh my that's, God. that's like the culture nowadays, though, isn't it? Right? Yeah, yeah you've, you've yeah. got to be militant for yeah. the thing you like. Yeah. Weird. Be like going yeah. to see Megadeth and doing the same thing to Dave Mustaine. Yeah, <laughs> who cares anymore? Like no, everything no can score. is competition. Everything mm-hmm. is competition, yeah. and, and it's a bad thing because I think that's what our you know, our politics have become nothing but like a game. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, uh, you figure too. It's a it's a festival, right? You're expecting yeah. to hear other people. It's sure. like uh, yeah. Mm. Not that I like to bring up politics on this show, but no, uh, no, <laughs> we're getting a little too close to that fire. Let's back off. But I'll tell you who put on a hell of a show. Who's that? Uh, I was very lucky. I saw Alice Cooper live in Columbus. Oh Nova. man, that would, would be, be awesome. Cool. Yeah. It was a hell of a thing. Uh, a band from England opened up for him in their first American performance. Uh, <laughs> Frontman was Greek, moved to England, started a band called Liven, L-I-V-A-N, and uh, they opened for Cooper. And it was awesome, because I was down in front where I'm the least comfortable, because I hate that whole vibe. And uh, he came right up on stage, like, hanging off the railing, and I turned around to my friends, like, hey guys, check it out. Dude's right here. By the time I had turned around, uh, he was already jumping onto the framework, keeping people off the stage, fucking crushed my hand like full on just stepped on my hand dude's about an inch from my face i froze up like a tyrannosaurus rex just like "Mm, maybe if i don't move he won't be able to see me (laughs) i love the music i'm not a fan of uh of of the the live metal experience i guess it it can be uh, chaotic, right? Yeah. I mean, I, the concert I was speaking of, you know, those live those Ozfest side stage shows. You know, that shit would start at like ten a.m. Mm-hmm. and go till what, like five o'clock in the evening. And that point, all the shows They'd went to the main stage, the middle, yeah. and they would go till what eleven, twelve 11. at night. But there was an ambulance always oh, next to the stage, always on standby, and they quite literally after every set were taking someone away. I mean, it was nuts. I think I almost nuts. put someone in an ambulance at a show one time. Ambulamps. Ambulamps. I was in the pit uh, doing the mosh thing, and someone came down hard on my neck because they were crowd surfing, mm-hmm. and I was pissed because it was angry music, and you get mad dancing around <laughs> moshing. So I reached up. They landed right on the back of my shoulders, grabbed them, 
and slammed him down over my head. All of a sudden, this little frail girl gets up. How the fuck did that? Do, 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 turned around, kind of lost myself. In the crowd. <laughs> I slammed her yep. hard, and I felt bad, but... Well, at a certain point... It's the price you pay at a show. What is it about... Mo- I used to mosh all the time. And I'm... I mean, looking at me, I really don't have the kind of framework. I probably... Not, <laughs> You're still alive, so that's all. I'm not yeah. the kind of guy who should probably be Made in there. I'm going to get my ass kicked. But nonetheless, I, they were... There was what is it about a mosh pit getting in there where you people know. are just beating the fuck out of I, each other for no reason? Yeah, they go and t- I, I I've never been like I'm I'm such a concert noob with all sorts <laughs> of different things, but I went to a, a Gaslight Anthem concert because my wife absolutely loves them, and I find myself I'm like oh let's get close like it should be good nobody's gonna be moshing it's not gonna be bad right and it just came like a free for all and I'm like what's happening here? There's people just <laughs> throwing elbows. I, I learned the hard way at like 35 like oh this is what it's all about. It was just insanity. So, and that's at a Gaslight Anthem concert. You know, it's yeah. not like it's, uh, you know, metal. But, yeah. uh, Same thing. It's intense. I was at a Cage the Elephant concert, and I moshing at them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was what yeah. I said. What? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm like, all right, guys, let's get close. I don't think anybody's <laughs> going to be kicking anybody's ass, right? Yeah. Guess how wrong I was. <laughs> there was this dude uh, that was probably about six and a half feet tall. I mean, he was a giant, and he was yeah. heavy. He was about as wide as he was tall. Long, bleached out blonde hair, the spiked, like, metal bracers, torn button-up shirt, like, yeah. trying way too hard to be the cool, you know, right. music, uh, oh, it's my life, you know, affecting this, like, <laughs> fake British accent every time he spoke. And I saw him in line, and I'm like... <laughs> I could just feel it, like the stars were aligning to put this motherfucker in my path. I, yeah, I knew yeah. that, like our destinies were intertwined. Isn't that always the fucking way? Oh, too, you man. just know, you feel you it. Do. You see him, you're like, God damn, here we go. And the music starts picking up, and it was a great show. It was awesome. But he's bouncing around like a fucking rogue pinball. I mean, he's just <laughs> bowling people over. He's oh, got Lord. momentum. He's yeah. twirling and plowing through. And I lost track of how many times he bashed into me or stepped on one of my feet or something. And at one point, I saw an opening. I was there with a buddy of mine. I'm like, I'm going to do it, man. I'm going to do it. And he's like, maybe just be cool. And I'm like, shut up. I'm going to do it. I'm not a confrontational guy. I don't have the frame to support a prolonged fist fight or anything. So I'm like, I'm going to get my one hit in. I'm going to blend into the shadows, right? Because I'm not going to sit here in a stand-up fight. Guy gets in front of me, turns around after blasting into me and my friends. And so I punched him in the back of the neck. And I'll never forget the sound he made. It was this kind of... Because it it lulls me to sleep almost every night. I'm like... I remember as soon as it connected, it was like, <laughs> it was like this really. <laughs> Sailed him the hell down, yeah, yeah. didn't it? And then he stopped oh, moshing. Yeah. I like oh. that you can hear that noise at a heavy metal oh, concert dude. in a mosh pit. Yes. My yeah. senses were like acute. I was like, I need. In the moment, the adrenaline was like, I've never hit anybody before. So if that's the noise you heard all over all that ambient sound, it was probably yeah. much more intense, like a. <laughs> I should hope yeah. so, but I just got this really little defeated squeak. What's that, Mike? I said he really brought it. <laughs> yeah, beat the fuck out. That of was him. Uh, oh, that was a good time. I that's the one mosh bit you want to avoid is the one you get the dude in there who's like way too into it. Oh yeah, uh, he's as big as like sloth on Goonies, and he's just like, fanning his fist, like swinging his arms yeah, yeah. just with his eyes shut in a, like a tornado. Like, dude, you're a little intense. Yeah. Back yeah. up. Who invited Andre the Giant? We like to walk away from these things with a few bruises. It makes me feel like a big man but i don't want to get my fucking neck broke you know (laughs) dude it was it was the friend i was with like we were fine we were maintaining i was like hey this sucks but we both had this is this still cage the elephant yeah okay yeah and we had this agreement like you know we'll just let it slide and then his girlfriend got kicked in the head so fucking hard she almost dropped (laughs) like she sit there like she's slumped and he's like supporting her weight through this whole thing and it just got out of hand, and I'm like, "All right, I I need to I need to answer violence with physical violence." Man. And it was a great time. Everybody still talks about it. I, rem- uh, I was really cool. I'm a really cool person. I don't know if you picked up on that. Oh yeah, you're, yeah, you're the definitely. coolest guy I know. Thank you. You're welcome, buddy. Me too, and I know two people. Whoa! <laughs> wow. Praise from Caesar. Man, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at this. Uh, no, I uh, remember an instance. At a, uh, I can't remember what the show it was, but it was at a, I was at a festival with my friends. There was like two stages on either side of a, uh, 
like a fairground area. Mm-hmm. And at one point, whoever was on stage started playing a real, you know, energetic, high, high energy song, and people start throwing shit, you know, whether it be <laughs> bottles or sod or whatever it is. Right. And uh, there was a shit ton of people out here, just again, an open field. And I don't know, probably about 10, 15 feet in front of us was a guy just standing there and mind his own business, watching the show in shorts, tank top, but he had like short, like buzzed hair. So there was like no cushion between his head and anything that might be coming down. Well, somebody had taken a, like a Pepsi bottle or like a Mountain Dew bottle like this. That was completely full of water, uh, shut and thrown straight up in the air. This thing mm. came down. That's a lot of momentum. Yeah, came yeah. down cap first, first oh. right on his head, and immediately you just saw blood just oh, straight geez. down the back of him. I was like, "We're out of here. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm yeah, gone." Rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's also crazy to think that shit can get so rowdy at a cage. The elephant. I know. Yeah, yeah that's, that's like no, no rest for that. the wicked. It's not exactly yeah. a high energy song. <laughs> It's like, I time to kick everybody's ass. Yeah. <laughs> the biggest, the, the worst mosh I was ever in was a cradle of filth. Oh, Jesus. So that was. So those are the people who were in it. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was in it to win it. Yeah. What about you, Mike? That's all I got for, for mosh experiences there. That's, I'm such a rookie with that. That's, uh, <laughs> that was my one experience, and I totally was out of my element, just bodies flying everywhere. But. Um, yeah, that's that's my experience with with mosh, and that's my metal experience right there. But I mean, I, like metal music in general, for me, I, I wasn't ever the concert experiences. I don't know. I always associate metal music with like with sports and and and, and playing football and everything like that. It was always you always had metal playing in the locker room and all that. So whenever I hear like Metallica, I instantly go back to like high school and college, and uh, you know, getting ready for a game with that kind of music. Yeah, I you know. I, metal music gets gets a lot of flack for being like, oh, it promotes violence. Oh, look at these kids. Ch-. But I don't know. Something about it seems to tune into aggression pretty uh, pretty effectively. Yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be listening to Cage the Elephant before a football game. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was like Metallica. I remember. Yeah, Enter Sandman was like I'm like my first experience with Metallica, and I was like, oh my god, like for this, I you just associated it with. You know, I was like a little kid and. You know, I would gravitate towards like the local high school team, and I knew that they listened to it. And you know, I'd walk past their weight room as a kid because you know you're all intrigued and like what they're doing. And you just always hear that kind of music playing, or you hear like ACDC or like Iron Maiden would be playing, and just be like, oh, what are these things? So kind of like it was a gateway to music a little bit too for me. Um, was metal now that I'm thinking about it and talking about it, but I just will always associate it with that personal experience that I always had, which was, uh, you know, with you know football or wrestling or whatever. Getting the, uh, getting the, your teammates <laughs> and yourself pumped up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Of- I mean, not to be like, you know, corny about it, but you know, you always, you know, you get amped up. I mean, I'm sure everybody has like a certain genre of music that gets them amped up. And, Absolutely. Yeah. It was always, uh, you know, metal. It was, you know, Rob Zombie would always be on too. Like we always had some of that oh, going. Jesus. Yes, I moshed at a Rob Zombie show too. There you mm-hmm. go. Same here. You know, it's, yeah. it's one of those genres. It, it seems like you mentioned. You know, in the locker room playing sports. No, I listen to it when I'm playing games and stuff. Mm. This is something you, you need a physical outlet while you're yeah. listening to it. It seems like definitely you can't just That's sit in your point. chair sipping tea while no, no. playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> what a day. Well, that's, yeah. a, that's a good point. That just answers the question I asked earlier. What is it about moshing? It's so it, energetic. It's, it, it, and pumps you up. You got to get that energy out. I feel like the energy feeds yeah. off itself. You got so mm-hmm. many people so contained that pressure builds, you know? That's a good point. But it's also, I feel like, the culture of it, too, wouldn't it be? Yeah. More, yes. too? Like, that's just like, it's like, like you said, like, some, it gets wound up like a top and starts spinning fists. But for some people, it's like, this is my arena. And, like, that music represents that attitude. And it's more of like a culture and things like that. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe that was my one experience at the, uh, <laughs> At, at a gaslight concert, but just what it seems like when anybody talks about when they're actually really like that's a scene that they were part of. I guess that they identify it as more like a, a cultural part, and you know that's cool. I guess everybody has um, an element of music that that um, is like a trademark, I guess almost. And I don't mean that like in a negative way, but like um, yeah, that that physicalness it's just part of the culture. 
it's that it, mob culture. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like I don't mean that in a negative way either. If it, no, that's no. Yeah, yeah, this might be a little out there, but I mean, you've you've heard the you know the theory about you know our our solar system, and you know the structure of our solar system, the structure of an atom being very similar. Yeah, it, you know, yeah. makes you really think. And I don't know, just atoms themselves, the way they kind of, I mean, aren't they always just Get bouncing agitated. off yeah, yeah. each other? It's yeah. the same kind of effect in a in a yeah. crowd in front of a, it's a macrocosm of like right. atoms and molecules. <clears throat> start getting hot yeah. and they start moving around yeah. fast. And then just, you're jiggling and then yeah. you're fucking. <laughs> Aside from just being a funny similarity, it's I don't know. There's also something kind of weird about that. Kind yeah, of, I definitely see what you're saying. I don't know how to say what I'm trying yeah. to say. But Are you uh, saying we're can, all atoms? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I like that. that sums it up. But I guess it's like the music itself, though. I mean, like, is is angry. There's some. There's anger that's always driven behind any one of those songs. At least that's yeah. how I identified them when I listened to them. So yeah, I get it. Almost like brings to a boiling point. It's almost like uh, that auditory manifestation of that, and then and then it turns physical. There's a physical manifestation when everybody's uh, moshing, or you, or even just sitting, like you said, playing a game, and you're just, you know, you probably banging your head or something like that while you're playing sure. just doesn't release that energy yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like yeah it speaks any, to that that mode you're in any successful serial killer will tell you you can only <laughs> fantasize for so long you know? <laughs> after a while it's got to manifest physically <laughs> yeah it's there weird, you go. Though, because you know i don't <clears throat> i mean I, and I know everyone's different but for myself i can't see metal music ever having like promoted or inspired any kind of anger See, or no. anything in me if anything it's the other way no, around no, like no. especially at work like I'll, I'll have a playlist like a good mood and a bad mood playlist and the bad mood play has playlist is straight motorhead like <laughs> you know i need something mm-hmm. like that to listen yeah. to that helps the anger melt off it's like it's it's almost it's getting like that energy a, like out a surrogate for, for that sure. yeah, yeah yeah it's just a yeah and it's funny because you know like you said people say you know, it makes people angry, doesn't this, that. I don't think it's that it promotes anger, violence, etc. It just seems like angry, violent people sometimes gravitate to it. Yeah, correct. You know, there's there's something that's relatable there. And is it is it the fault of the medium that the people who enjoy it are sometimes... You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's weird because you see such a... I've seen so much variation in the people who are really, really fiercely dedicated to metal music. I like a lot of different metal bands. I like a lot of, like, Norwegian, Scandinavian stuff. I like that black metal feel. You got your, like, Immortal and such. That's all I'm growling all about that. Yeah, singing. I'm all growling and occultism. <laughs> Something <laughs> Couldn't tell you why. Love that shit. But, what the hell did he say? I, I can I, get into it myself sometimes. I, yeah. I knew this guy who I, I worked with him a few years ago. He was a band major. He was all about marching band and musical instruments and music theory he had the. You were just talking about someone who uh, who had the white button-up shirt with the pens in the pockets. Just oh, a yeah. very proper-looking fellow. Someone you might even call a nerd on a bad day. Sure. Right. Big, thick glasses, short haircut, goatee. Not a badass-looking person by any stretch. <laughs> and I kind of judged him as such. But one 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 day we started talking. I was like, "So what music do you listen to?" He's like, "Oh, I'm really into uh, Winter Sun and Kvelertak and all this stuff." And he's just the most calm, collected dude. And he loves mm-hmm. these extreme offshoots of metal. It's it's weird. You get these quiet, contemplative people who listen to it, and you get mm-hmm. the ones who who manifest it physically. Right, right. The quiet ones you gotta watch out for. <laughs> right. <laughs> who knows what he's up to these days? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what else we got, guys? Uh... It seems like a genre that's sort of immune to cultural shifts. Whereas I think you think yeah. pop music is something that's subject to its decade. Mm-hmm. You know what's yeah, pop. Fifty years ago is classic music today. Yeah. You know the yeah. genre changes. I think metal yeah. music, when tastes change, a new offshoot branches out. But there will mm. all the, always be those fierce loyalists who are dedicated. To like I had some point, I forgot to bring it. I'll tweet. Right. I'll tweet it out later. The tree of metal genres. It's just this horrible mm. hydra of a thing, just snaking in and out everywhere. You got your power metal and your doom metal and your sludge and your stoner metal and your death and black and extreme and gore and grind and all this stuff that just goes on and on and on. And it seems like instead of adapting to the times, someone says, okay, I'll take elements of this, I'll throw in a bunch of this, and we'll call it such and such metal. <laughs> you know, it's right. just one of these constantly evolving things, but they all share the same trunk. It's hmm. bizarre. It's. It, I feel like it's something you don't see in a lot of other genres of music. That's. Uh, it's funny this comes up. But, uh, Limp Biscuit. It seems to be somewhat of a prime example of kind of what you're Got talking like that about. New metal. 
mm-hmm. it was like a hip hop metal yeah, hybrid yeah. that you hadn't seen before and really haven't seen much since. You For know, it, it kind of came in and <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's weird in its in its day. That shit was on top of the world. That, oh, that they were was killing it for awesome. Yeah. I heard a little bit on the way here and was kind of pumped up on the way. <laughs> were you? What did you listen to? Uh, what well, was on the radio? It was well, Nookie. That was that was the Jeez. one. Oh, that there you go. That's years. Cool. But then they played Behind Blue Eyes, and I was just like, huh. yeah. yeah. Well, that's not even their song. So <laughs> yeah, <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> that was at their end pretty much when that one came out too. But yeah, I mean. Um, yeah, I never thought about that. I can't think of any other band that's tried to do anything like that. It's weird, dude. Because I'm trying thing. to think of anybody. Yeah. But it's an adaptable thing. Like, what is a metal band? What's the one defining trait they all have in common? Distortion? That's right. What I was it's, say, yeah, yeah, it's and everything else is just whatever you want it to be. <laughs> Long hair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get those few elements in and the rest is whatever. Mm-hmm. You know? So no wonder it's crazy and there's so many different subgenres because you can do essentially whatever you want with it. Symphonic black metal. That's a thing that's real. It's awesome. I love that shit. You know, it's just, Symphonic black just keep metal. adding words and it keeps getting more specific and interesting. <laughs> it's like typo adding, negative. Yeah, adding words makes it more metal. Yeah, yeah, typo exactly. negative. Yeah, I thought about them in the free episode. That's a good yeah. band yeah. right there. Yeah. I really enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. Man, I forgot about them. Who else? I tell you what, I've been really into this band lately that's from Ohio. I think Athens, Ohio, uh, called Skeleton Witch. All one word. Mind you, that's mm-hmm. W-I-T-C-H, like a practitioner of magic, not uh-huh. like a sandwich. It's or important. A to stay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Skeleton Witch. <laughs> Skeleton Witch. <laughs> and uh, I got to say, it really harkens back to the days when you didn't have to be a, a good lyricist or a great musician or uh, stupendous at singing to make a really interesting metal album. All of their stuff essentially sounds the same. All the lyrics boil down to, oh, and now the demons are flooding the earth. You know, yeah. it's just a lot of shrieking and growling. It's all, open the gates of hell. Well, yeah, all right, dude, we get it. But it rules. Like, you know, it's it's got that feel where it's kind of loose. These aren't like masters of their craft. They probably don't know how to write songs in their raw form they're just out there shredding and screaming and it's it's badass okay there is a movie out there i'm just going to look it up right now it's more of a documentary have you ever heard of a group called anvil anvil have you seen it i haven't seen it i had meant to at one point i saw that that it's good but like like super influential but never made it somehow it's a real band because it feels yeah they're real you're thinking of spinal tap Oh, that's that's classic. Which is just as equal. I could talk awesome. about that all day, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Love me some uh, Spinal Tap. But no, uh, Anvil was a three-piece metal band that was, uh, I think, really big in like the early 80s, like at the height, you know, the intro and height of hair metal. They were touring with like Anthrax, not that Anthrax is hair metal, but, you know, uh, big names. Yeah. Did they mention them in Spinal Tap? Because that sounds so familiar. I, I feel like I heard about a documentary about this. That's why I'm, I'm trying to... Yeah, I think it's just simply called Anvil. But they've got like 13, 14 albums. I mean, they got a ton of albums. Anyway, this documentary follows uh, them as they are recording their 13th album, them telling their story about how, you know, they just didn't catch on like everyone else yeah. does. I mean, like they've the, done all this, but no one's ever heard of him. Like the lead singer guitar player is, uh, he works at like a food, like cafeteria food processing <gasps> place or something. Yeah. It's a good documentary though. And if you like metal, I mean, you might be able to find some enjoyment in some of their albums, but they're just interesting guys. And it was really good. You should watch it. Nice. Watch I'm it. looking at this here. The director of the documentary was one of their roadies. Oh, nice. wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. That yeah. almost stings even more. <laughs> you have yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, Rody made the documentary. Oh, but, uh, I think it's just simply called Anvil, though. It's called Anvil: The Anvil Story, <laughs> or the story of Anvil. That's oh it. yeah, there it is. The story. Anvil. Of Anvil. Story yeah. of Anvil, Anvil two. Yeah. Anvil harder. <laughs> <laughs> the re-anvilizing. Anvil with a vengeance. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> Live fast or die. In. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it. That looks so familiar. Yeah, it's good. You should watch it. You should watch it for sure. 
I did hear good things about it. Now that you're saying it again, I remember people talking about it on like, like movie sites back when it first came out. I remember hearing good things about it. Well, there yeah. you go. Candair recommends Anvil. There you the go. Anvil story. I by I Anvil. do. I have it on DVD somewhere. I, I, I bought it at like a uh, going out of business like video rental place for like two bucks. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, <laughs> Anvil. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Just adding to the sad story of Anvil here. Oh, but... <laughs> goes into the where are they now column, right? Is that from... Well, the lead singer was out on the street corner with a hat, so I threw a couple of quarters in and grabbed a DVD. <laughs> Ouch. Oh, Anvil. Oh, I feel bad for Anvil. You know what we ought to do? Hook him up with some sweet Candare t-shirts. Hey. Oh, thank you. Nice. I mean, do you want to be a social success? Anybody's face. Yeah. Anybody's mm-hmm. face. And yeah, they could bring him if, back. If they had had a couple of Candare shirts back in the 80s, let mm-hmm. me tell you, if society6.com forward slash Pod were a viable URL in that time before the internet, <laughs> they would have been doing all right. They've been looking pretty fucking right. snazzy, yeah. that's for sure. And with them being a metal band, we have sleeveless Candair shirts. Oh, <laughs> oh, show off all those mm-hmm. sick tats. Be yes. a manly man and wear Candair at the same time. And look mm-hmm. metal. And look metal as fuck. <laughs> metal as... Well, you heard it there. Yeah, you did. No, you, no. Could, you could be wearing the Candair sleeveless t-shirt with your long hippie hair hanging down in oh, your yeah. face while you're sitting there shredding... On a uh, guitar in front of... It'd have a skull and cross V-necks belt buckle. <laughs> Sitting there finger-picking. <laughs> so put on your spiked bracers and wristbands. Candare's here to rock out. I've lost momentum here. I, 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 I couldn't mosh right now if I had to. Dude, like, no. I couldn't mosh back when I could no. mosh. I don't know. I, just, I didn't yeah, like it. Very low energy commercial. But you know what? Society6.com forward slash Candare pod. That's where you're going to get them tasty Candare t-shirts, those mugs, those clocks, those fucking curtains. Put what the stickers on your drums or guitar. Oh, yeah. the decals, the Ooh. decals. There you go. Decals are big. Decals are big. I love those. This is probably the coolest nice. item. They're, they're tough. They're Dude, nice, yeah. I, durable I decals. All right. Ooh, there's a company Dura naming cows. itself. Dura, yeah, Dura durable cows. decals. You You're welcome. You're welcome. All right, I'm signing off. Dura See you guys. Dura Dura cows. <laughs> Society6.com forward slash Pod. And with that, let's swing open the door to the comic Vault. I like the way you said vault right there. Vault. That was cool. That was like... Vault. Okay, you know what? <laughs> Foul. You, you got greedy. I did. It was good, then you goofed. I just wanted to keep making it more fucked up as I went to make you take back your words, and you did. Congratulations. I got what I wanted. <laughs> I got what I wanted. Chalk one up for Jeremy, I guess. <laughs> Who'd like to go first today? Go ahead. Wow, all right, cool. Uh, as I said before, I've got a short little independent webcomic, well... Short's not the right word. I would say um, kind of short format. Each chapter is one page with oh, seven or eight panels. It's not the size that's important. It's what you do with it. Damn right. And they do a lot with it. It tells a very dynamic story in a very small space, and I like that. Created by Brian Hoover and Rafael, I hope I pronounce this correctly, Desquitado Jr. Might be Desquitado. I doubt it. I don't know. Anyway, Rafael, keep it up. Um, the story starts with no introduction no backstory, it throws you right in the situation, which is something I love, because when things are spoon-fed to you, they lose impact. When you have to figure them out on your own, you feel connected to it. And it starts with a gang of obvious fugitives, like still wearing their uh, orange prison jumpsuits, running full tilt through the forest, being pursued by a search party, there's a helicopter above, they have to jump off a waterfall to escape. And the whole time they're running, they're talking about $20 million. That's why we're doing this, $20 million. Not where it is, why, who, what, just that they absolutely have to escape because there's $20 million on the other end of what they're doing. So you get the impression something's amiss, something's being offered, something's hidden maybe. Whatever it was, it was enough to get this disparate band of criminals, violent convicts, to group together for the common goal of getting $20 million. And over the next couple of chapters, you see them narrowly escape capture, running through the woods, making camp, bickering over supplies. Of course, there's infighting. These guys aren't going to be the best of buddies right off the rip, you know. And uh, just before, and I think this is a good stopping point, one of them scouts ahead, and his inner monologue takes over. And he says, you know, my parents always told me if you ever get lost, you're out in the woods, find a high point and look for where there's light. 
That's the name of the comic. There's your title card, where the light is. You know, it was perfect. And there's a town off in the distance. He comes back, he convenes with them. He says, all right, we need supplies. We need clothes. We need weapons. We're going to town. So they start cutting bits off their jumpsuits and wrapping them around their faces, arming up with knives and sticks, obviously ready to assault this town. I still don't know what they're after, who they are, but I'm in. You know what I mean? Mm, it's, there's yeah. something about it. There's this tension in the air. It's heavy. It's it's gnarly. And I just, I don't know. I loved it. And it's super easy to find. It's all there. It's all free up to, I think, Chapter 14 was recently released. Uh, you can find it on Comic Crusaders. And, you know, with things like this, the question is, you know, oh, why should I look into this? I always think with these independent webcomics, why shouldn't you? It's free. It's interesting. You're supporting independent artists. Mm -hmm. So I would advise anybody to check it out where the light is. Let me make sure that's the correct, uh, if I'm not uh, paraphrasing that. Yeah, where the light is, uh, courtesy of Comic Crusaders. And I'll be tweeting out links to access that comic. That sounds really cool. It's very cool. Like you were saying, I love when a comic doesn't waste your time with way too much setup. It throws you right in the action, gives you some brief back detail. Not everything you need. You'll get the rest as you go, but enough to start enjoying it right away. That's awesome. Sounds cool. Very cool. All right, Michael, would you like to go next? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll take a talk about uh, a book that I just absolutely fell in love with. Um, it's an indie book. Uh, it's called Joe Death and the Graven Image Sold. by an artist named Benjamin Schipper, who's, uh, as soon as I saw this, I just fell in love with his style. And Joe Death is a story of like this skeleton type cowboy. Um, and he's kind of walking the earth. But the the way that the story is told, just vi- the visual storytelling is just absolutely beautiful. And there's this one part, you know, they're setting up the villain. And it takes a couple of pages and it's all silent the way that he lays it out. But um, the villain is like, his name is Scary Harry. He's like a Western... Um, villain, but him and his gang ride into town, um, and they set up a census uh, photo. So they get everybody into the town square, and obviously, you can only imagine things go go bad. I don't want to ruin it because the the the, the actual pages of it being depicted, I thought were some of the most. Um, striking images that I've seen in terms of storytelling and just composition and how it was put together. I just loved it um, and it stuck with me for a while. And actually, he, Benjamin Shipper, actually just had um, uh, a single standalone story in the, the Jim Henson Storyteller series um, called Fairies, which I never thought I'd be reading a book about fairies, but I loved it. And it's very uh, poignant about uh, our lives today and how meanness seems to be. And I think we even mentioned it before, like that competitiveness and just, uh, you know, that just that cruel drive that we seem to have that seems to be so prominent now. Um, And it's just the story. Not only is he a wonderful artist, he's a wonderful writer. And the story unfolds where it's just how much kindness matters, how this king who has been fighting, thinking about that cruelty and how cruelty and malice are what make you the man. And how kindness, you know, he shapes towards kindness towards the end. It's just really a beautiful story. So um, maybe not just talking about uh, two great books, but a really great uh, great artist and writer that, you know, I think we should all be paying attention to. It's Benjamin Shepard. It's it's really great stuff. Sounds really good. Fantastic. Yeah, so you can find it on his website, I'm sure. I think um, he only has one in terms of Joe, Death, and the Graven Image, but I know he's gearing up to release a second one. So that I'm sure you'd be able to. That name is fantastic. Yeah, it's yeah. quite a name. Joe, Death, and the Graven Image? Yeah. It could be so. a metal band name, actually. Oh, seriously. Yeah, right? Definitely. I'm Take sure either one. Joe, Death, or Graven Image. We're Graven Dude. Image. Dude. Oh, there you yeah. go. Joe, Death, and the Graven Image. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. I like it. I'd go yeah. with Scary Harry as a band name. Why not? Ooh. Oh, yeah, I'm telling you, the, the way, I, if you guys give it a shot you will absolutely love how it unfolds it's just awesome. I mean, it's so creepy uh, getting everybody together for a town census photo and it just is insane i love it i'm in hell yeah there you go awesome. very cool all right and that leaves jack what we got mine is from it's the website name is reasonably worried.com and it's uh by an author by the name of ian alexander in his website he's got a couple of books uh, that you can buy digital or hard copy. One of them is called Cameron, Why Am I Like This? And another one called Kid Trump, which is Donald Trump as a kid, apparently. It's all there in the title. <laughs> but <laughs> He's got a, a handful of webcomics on it that are all self-titled one-shots, if you will. 
and they pretty much sold me. They're pretty funny. They're just real cartoony. One of them is titled Get Tough, and it's a fisherman, a biker, and a nerdy guy sitting at a bar. The fisherman points at his eye and says, See this scar? Shark Attack, 1986. The biker says, points at his bicep, Bar Fight, 1997. He's got a big scar. The nerdy guy, you see him with his, starts undoing the, uh, the buttons on his sleeves, rolls up his arm sleeves and says, Gave my cat a bath last week. His arms are all scratched up. <laughs> I know that pain. Oh, yeah. We've all been there. Oh, yeah. And there's another one called a quick pep top, pep talk, sort of. And uh, a lot of the comics are all based on him being an author and not having a real job and how hard it is to be an author. And it shows a picture of him at a drawing board drawing. And it says, now, here's a quick pep talk, sort of. Then it says, "Hey there, don't hey there, starving artists, don't feel so bad." And the next picture it shows like a lawyer, a construction worker, and a doctor. And it says, "Remember, all those people with steady, well-paying jobs will eventually be replaced by robots." Mm. Good point. Yeah, it's true. It's already happening. Yeah, let's see a machine create quality entertainment the way we do on a <laughs> basis. Uh, not possible. AI. Try again. I watch what, those like they, Boston, uh, those Boston Dynamics clips of what they're doing with their robots. Right. Yeah, seriously. Did you see that one that the, the two of them they look like the Raptors from Jurassic Park and they're opening yeah. that door. The oh, one opens the door for you. It's got a big. Oh, yeah. oh yes, yeah, that terrifying. was creepy. No, as I haven't hell. seen it. Oh, don't. Yeah. <laughs> I want to now. I was just yeah. going to mention like the McDonald's that I've been going to on lunch occasionally. When you go in the front door, like it's all automated, great big screen in front of you. You just touch to put yeah. your orders in and stuff. And the crew is very thin in there. So there's like hardly anybody in there, wow. it seems like. Everything's mm. hot and right. They're just going to start yeah, everything's recruiting mm. deck directly from the underground mole people. Just stop hiring <laughs> humans. Mole people, mole people. Don't look like moles. <laughs> 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 the last one he has that I have in here is called Yoga for Public Restrooms. Oh. And it shows a different yoga poses while you're in the restroom. One's called the broken door pose, where you're standing in front of the toilet holding <laughs> the door behind you closed with your there? leg. <laughs> uh, the upward floor, floor flush, where you're reaching up to flush the toilet with your leg. Oh, yeah. The missing seat liner pose, where the guy's just hovering over the toilet. <laughs> But they're all pretty good. Reasonablyworried.com. Righteous. Sounds cool. Look very good. Very good. All right. Well, with that behind us, let's turn our attention over to Michael and talk about Gung Ho. Thanks again for being here, Michael. Oh, thank you guys for having me. This has been so much fun. I hope so. We're having a blast, it looks like. Sounds like. Indeed. But uh, this book, man, this looks so cool. I cannot wait to to read it. I haven't had a chance to sit down and read it yet, but uh, we were looking through it, and it looks freaking amazing yeah thank you yeah um miko is the artist that's that's all him he is phenomenal i'm i'm very lucky to have had a chance to work with him and um we've known each other not personally but uh you know he lives in macedonia but um yeah going on almost 10 years um as we've worked to put this book together this gung-ho took a long time there was a lot of hiccups and things like that and i think it speaks to every one of the creators you guys just talked about on books uh how much it takes to first put yourself out there but how long it takes how much effort goes into putting a book together so um but miko's art i'm I'm glad you guys can see it just by looking at it i mean he's got such a unique a unique style i mean definitely evokes a lot of um you know samurai jack from it yes uh, style <laughs> very like a lot of like sharp angles but very bright and very stylized yeah and um and i had seen his art um i forget like on one of like the message boards like the digital webbing or the pencil jack and he did like this punisher piece and i was like wow that's a really unique style and kind of just like filed it away and then this this story of a gorilla <laughs> popped up <laughs> in my head and i was like wow i would I'd love to see this guy try this. And, you know, I, I just sent him the ideas and everything took off from there. It was pretty cool. And he has been just such a, an unbelievable guy to work with. And I've been very lucky to work with a lot of great artists who are always been just such great people. And, and Miko's just another one of them. And he's just, um, anything, anything's possible with him. It's really great. That is 
fantastic. And, you know, besides the super striking, like, Gendy Tartakovsky-esque art style yeah. you got here, the story is just wild. And I've got a theory yeah, here, and I'd love mm-hmm. to, if you could tell me whether I'm right or wrong, a story mm-hmm. like this, reading through it, I get the feel this is something that hit you very suddenly. And I'd love to know, like, yeah. what was the inspiration point that I'd love sent to you on this journey? Yeah, sure. It, this is not, there's only a small element of where this first started from. So I was on, oh, definitely when I first started learning about how to write comics, you know, I, I was always a heavy visitor to PencilJack.com. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. But it, I, I would recommend it to anybody who's learning to write comics because there's a community there where they do like um, short five pagers and you put those together. And, and I forget what the theme was for it, but I, I came up with this story and it was really about Marion C. Cooper, the guy who created King Kong, and how Fay Ray has been kidnapped by this like uh, guy on a red flying wing with like the scorpion suit, and he has his own ape that they're going to. He parachutes onto the flying wing and rescues him, or rescues Fay Ray. And I, I was like, ah, I like this, but I was like, I think there's a little bit more to it. And I tried to figure out how could I keep those stylized elements, but make um, Gung Ho the gorilla more than just like a sidekick and give him his own story and give him his own struggles. And um, it's interesting when you're writing stories because they go in different avenues. So like I wanted to focus more on him as a character. And then it went to like more like depressing, unfun places. And I was like, I don't want to go there. (laughs) And then, so like, how do I marry the two? And um, I'll say this working with an editor is, hands down the most important thing you can do, especially when you're learning how to write. I mean, I'm still learning obviously, but, um, here I am like putting this story together and I'm like, I think it's going to be good. I think it's great. And like, um, Miko and I were talking and like, okay, we're going to, let's put this together because I don't know if you guys remember, but DC comics had an offshoot called Zuda comics, which was a, a, a digital only imprint where they would run these monthly competitions where 10 titles would be selected and you would, um, Whoever receives the most amount of votes, they get published by DC Comics through Zuda. Um, and we had we had been working for this, and they had a very like landscaped format too, so it was very different from your typical comic. So like we, you know, Miko had had put it together in this style. He did a beautiful job making sure that it fit the format. And just when we were ready to submit, sure enough, they shut the doors on Zuda. So we're like, oh my god, we're left with this comic that's not formatted. Like, what are we gonna do? And Miko was awesome. He's like, don't worry. He's like, this is a story we're telling. Like. He works all digitally, so he's like, I, I can rearrange this. This is not a problem. So then researching who we, could we pitch to, and uh, I guess the point I'm making is when you're when you're pitching a comic, it goes in a million directions, and there's so many false starts. And we actually got picked up by a company called Viper Comics. And um, you know, they had like a, a couple of like small like indie books, but they, they um, it, was, it was like a sci-fi show called like Middlemen. And they were, they produced the comic or whatever. So, um, that was like their big indie hit that turned into something a little bit more. Um, they were great people to work with, but they gave me an editor who really helped me hone in. Like, all right, I had a pitch and we had like the pitch pages and I thought I had four solid scripts and I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to go. This is awesome. Like, I'm so excited. I'm pumped. And then she just tore me apart and was like, we love the story, but like, you don't know what you're doing kind of thing. And it was like, no, 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 I don't mean it like that. I mean it like, like she did in the best way possible, but like through prompting questions letting me know like hey mike like to myself note to self you really don't know what you're doing and like you have to really get better at this so she asked a lot of like really important questions and you're like wow i thought i really had an understanding of the story but i really don't and um and that really helped me shift and all editors that i've worked with um since then have been they're they're very good at asking questions. They don't they're not accusatory. They don't tell you your thing stinks. They don't tell you that um, you're not getting the job done. They just ask the correct questions to make you challenge yourself. And that was my first experience working with an editor, and really forced me to kind of um, really take a step back and be like, okay, we want to get this thing done, but let's make sure it's the best thing possible, right? And she was very good at guiding me and helping me. And then unfortunately, um, Viper. Um, kind of uh, stopped publishing at that point. And they were, they were very gracious. They were very kind. They did their very best to try to get our title somewhere else. Um, um, so then we're like, okay, so maybe the self-publishing might be the best. So I had a scrap 
not scrap, but just say, let's take that whole full arc, put it off to the side, and then let's, let's restructure this and make a really good one shot. And so that's what we did. We tried to reorganize it, make it this really good, the best that we could do as a, as a one shot, um, and then get it out to the world because it had been so long. We had been sitting with gung ho forever and it just felt like, you know what? Now's the time, you know, uh, didn't feel confident as a Kickstarter because I don't know if my social media game is strong enough and I don't know if my networking is strong enough. And so, you know, self-funded it and it was like, let's just get it out there. And that's why it's on Comixology now. I gotta say being on Comixology, a 55 page book for, 99 cents i mean <laughs> yeah and being you know as beautiful a book as it is that's how can you turn that down you don't get something this high quality thanks yeah so, i know this sounds like a commercial pitch right now but it's it, it was crazy i think we all had pretty much the same reaction when we saw it like oh it's on comics a I'd dollar for a dollar <laughs> yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean our goal is to get it in as many hands as possible and let people see um you know what we've created, but more importantly, too, like for Miko, like I want people to see, like the, he he's very big right now with um, with games, like card games, and um, he's got a lot of great kickstarters. He's got a couple that are going on right now. Um, I think uh, like one of them's like uh, if I'm saying it right, I don't want to say the wrong name, but it's like like Knights of Valeria or whatever. It's a very like popular card game. He's had a lot of successful kickstarters with the creators, but he's such a great visual storyteller too. Like he does these beautiful pinups, but he does he's such a great storyteller. I mean, um, you know, trying to write panel breakdowns for him. uh, I definitely don't know if I did a good job conveying it, but he just seemed to really know. visually what would work best and and it's nice to be able to share that and get that out and that's why you know we priced it at that we just want to get people get it in their hands just take a chance on it and, and that you know so hopefully that's happening at 99 cents it's not much of a chance i mean i no. mean you got nothing you're, to lose really no you don't have anything to lose but it's worth of enjoyment out of it's it. in my couch right now i can Thanks. That's, what, that's actually what we said like how can we get four quarters worth of enjoyment out of what we're doing that's what we said to ourselves when we were setting it up we just want to get that out there like, how are we gonna probably well surpass that <laughs> right. good. well that's good that's good that's good to hear yeah so being a 55 page book you know and having it say number one on the front is that its original format this wasn't a bunch of uh individual issues that then came into no this so so are future books going to be just as uh big um no they'll be a little bit smaller they'll they'll be like around 28 to 32 pages um so i think the the scripts that i have right now that are there i don't know when we're going to revisit it um but they sit at at about 28 pages um but obviously a lot more tweaking to go you know but um I, you know, I feel very confident about the story and there's a lot more to tell. And I hope we do. I know Miko wants to tell more of it too. The, the story, I mean, I don't know if you've all read it, but I think where it leaves off, it's, it's not like typical, we're not feeling good about ourselves kind of ending. And that's kind of harkens back to what I was talking about before is like, I didn't want to go to like negative places. Cause it's, I mean, literally you have a gorilla running around with a guy with a kilt you know, chopping up little elves. Right. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. Right. I mean, how serious can you be? But there were elements that I thought were interesting to me that I wanted to explore. And I hope we get that chance. You know, we, we touch on it in this first couple of, you know, this first part of the story, but I'd love to tell more. You, you know, you mentioned the, uh, the serious elements or the, or the darker elements creeping into this kind of story. And, you know, Samurai Jack has also been mentioned here today, which I think serves as a perfect example as to where I think those elements can work in that kind of a medium. You know, Samurai Jack isn't something you could always look at and take seriously. I mean, no, I remember episodes not, yeah. where he had little mm-hmm. talking, like, uh, like astronaut dogs at his feet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, right, right. But at the same time, that show can really take on tones that are, can get pretty damn heavy. Yeah, especially yeah. the last the, the last season, definitely. Oh my god, sure. very the masterpiece. Oh my god, I it was outstanding. Just ah. visual visual treat for sure. And it does go to very dark places. It does on 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 our two the two of them on on him and and I forget the girl's name, but those are those are pretty dark elements. Yeah, and I yeah. I think we've made this point in the past where having a a fantastic or, or sometimes silly quirky rapper for a heavy subject mm-hmm. is sometimes the the best way mm-hmm. 
to bring it up. You know, if you yeah, dive right into something that's difficult, a, a topic mm-hmm. that's hard to talk about, it's off-putting. Mm-hmm. When yeah. you create a, a framework of, of something that people can feel comfortable around, you know, something kind of disarming, and then you present them these heavy subjects, man, that's when it hurts. You know, that's when yeah. you feel it. It's even been done, like, say, like Rick and Morty. Like, oh, remember sure. the Unity yeah. episode? At the yeah, yeah. How, yeah. Like, yeah. that was really heavy. Well, the end of, what, season two, when he went to prison? Right. Oh, yeah. How heavy that was at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it's, it's, it's almost the juxtaposition that makes it so mm-hmm. effective. You know, you've got yeah. silly, you got heavy, you get them in yeah. the right proportions, bam, it's magic. Sweet it's just salty. You're making me think of like that South Park episode, one of the recent seasons where they were doing the uh, Soda Sopa. And oh, yeah. When, when Kenny gives his his sister the, the doll. Right. After it's like, all that. I, oh, yeah. I remember we were sitting there, my wife and I were like, oh, man, like poor Kenny. You know, that yeah. was like a very heavy moment in a South Park episode. But yeah. it's, it's awesome that it can it can affect you, you know, I mean. How yeah. many years are we into South Park? Close to, if not over 20, and that they oh, can still yeah. do something like that. Yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah. It's amazing. Holds the same for indie comics, any piece of art, really. You know, right. it can affect you in different ways all at the same oh. time. Absolutely, yeah. Now, uh, we again, we're di- we just mentioned Comixology as a place where you can uh, get this. Is there anywhere else we should be telling people to go check out Gung Ho? Uh, well, that's where you're going to find it. It's, uh, it's on on only comicsology right now. Um, but I would definitely recommend following, uh, Miko on Twitter. Um, he's also on Facebook, but you can get him at, at T X E Miko M I C O. Um, and you can follow him there and you'll see, um, just what he's able to do. There's some really, really beautiful work on there. Um, and yeah, if you wanted to give, you know, me a follow or take a look at some of the stuff, um, that, that I'm working on, um, there's some, you know, prose work that i've that i've released um if you ever wanted to check out that and at um at red fox underscore right so if you ever wanted to keep tabs on what we're doing or maybe if we have something coming out or maybe a potential kickstarter um you know that's uh that's something you can check out but highly recommend following miko i'm not as exciting so yeah don't sell yourself short we're, yeah jake's going to be pushing both of those and Indeed. uh jack's going to have them on the website we're going to get it out to as many people as we can and uh thank Mike, you. i just want to thank you so much for being here today and sharing thank you with us it's been a lot of fun yeah I, this has been a blast i really appreciate you guys inviting me to come on and uh and and getting to talk to you guys about a whole bunch of things. This has been great. I really appreciate it. We're going to do it again in the future. I don't That's remember what was it. Movie soundtracks. Yeah. I think we really oh, mentioned it before we started recording. Just get me so. back. I would love to talk about it. I'll we'll do that. that. <laughs> we'll do that. Absolutely. Well, cool, thanks again, cool. Mike. Yeah, I can't thank you guys enough. This has been awesome. Jack, what do we have on the website? Go to candairpodcast.com where you can check out our special guests, listen to the show, follow us on our social media. <laughs> <laughs> visit the hall of heroes see the wall of justice check out some of the videos from our youtube page click on the merch button and if you like to give us a comment complaint or just say hi send us an email on our contacts page and once more folks that is at canned air pod on twitter and at canned underscore air on instagram check us out and don't forget to head over to the patreon throw a few bucks our way go up to five and you have access to the founders club exclusive podcast all right boy that is just really velvety smooth i'm loving that i'm <laughs> loving it nice vip gold card oh, yeah, yeah. maybe uh, the longtime members get some kind of like a crushed velvet jacket or something like you that. need a ticket a, a special neck tattoo it's like a, a an <laughs> occult symbol that lets you <laughs> kind of like the stone cutters kind of the go. simpsons yeah yeah <laughs> sticker on your car get you out of speeding tickets and whatnot <laughs> all right well i think that's going to do it for this week so until next time i'm jeremy collie i'm jack doherty i'm jake runyon and i'm mike lineski thanks for listening everyone
Joey, why don't you come over here and spray paint your name on the wall? But I don't wanna. What are you, chicken? Hold on there, boys. Wow, it's Flint. Instead of writing your name, write cannedairpodcast.com and help spread the word. Well, that's a great idea. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.